You can either be liked or you can lead, but you can't have both. Now, of course, some people will like you. And if no one likes you as a leader, you're not a very good leader, right? But you cannot expect everyone to like you. And if you are focused more on what people are liking rather than yourself actually leading, we are in big trouble. Growth and impact are not created by the absence of conflict, but rather they are created by the presence of healthy conflict. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, I want to start today with a statement that really will characterize the entire session, and we are going to get into it on this episode. But here's the statement. Growth and impact are not created by the absence of conflict. Rather, they are created by the presence of healthy conflict. I'm going to say it again. Growth and impact are not created by the absence of conflict, but rather they are created by the presence of healthy conflict. Do you believe that? And not just believe it logically or intellectually, do you believe it as proved out by your actions? Because I will tell you, I logically believe this. I know, yes, if we're going to grow, there's going to be people that, whether they be customers, whether they be people that listen to our podcast, whether they be team members, there will be people that disagree with me as we grow. I know that to be true. But so often, I organize my life and my business and my leadership around the avoidance or absence of conflict. And that, by nature, is avoiding reality. Because here's the deal. If you want to move forward, forward motion creates friction. What is friction? Friction is conflict. And so if we are trying to organize our business and what we deem success for our business as an absence of conflict, we have set an improper standard to aim at and we're actually creating toxicity instead of creating health. So as a leader, it's one of our greatest responsibilities, but also greatest opportunities to make sure we do not avoid conflict, but rather we create a culture where conflict is handled in a healthy way. And that's what we're going to focus on in this podcast today, because we're going to walk through really three sections. Number one, we're going to understand why we avoid healthy conflict. And I want you to understand this for yourself. But more than that, I want you to understand this for the people you lead. Because how many of you have ever been in this situation where you say, oh, man, well, I'm the leader and I tell people they can disagree with me, but they just never speak up. Have you ever been in that situation? Yes, you absolutely have. It's because just because you say it doesn't mean they feel okay to engage with it. And so we need to understand why people are avoiding this because we're going to have to convince them and lead them to move away from a culture of passive avoidance and move towards a culture of active engagement. So we're going to understand why we avoid it. Then we're going to evaluate the prerequisites for a culture of healthy conflict. Now, we could walk through today just what it looks like to have one healthy conflict conversation, and there are certainly tactics and practices for holding those conversations well, but what I think would be the greatest investment of our time in that it will provide you, the leader, the business, the organization, with a compounding return, with an exponential return, is if we don't just look at the one-off conversations, let's create a culture of healthy conflict in your business, where even when you're not around, there's healthy conflict happening 
happening. Now, in order for that to occur, we're going to have to first look at the prerequisites. There need to be certain things in place for you to create that culture. And then finally, we're going to define the steps for leading and creating that culture. So we're going to understand why we avoid it. We're going to evaluate the prerequisites, and then we're going to define the steps for creating and leading a culture of healthy conflict. Now, all the content that we're walking through today is taken from a workshop that we did within the Path for Growth membership, and that's where all of the impact-driven leaders that we work with in a coaching capacity get together and focus on a specific topic. We're going to look at it high level today, but I'll also put the PDF from this workshop in the show notes of this episode. So, Let's first look at the four primary reasons why impact-driven leaders avoid healthy conflict. I'll run through them real quick, and then we'll dive a little bit into each one. Number one is the desire to be liked. Number two is the desire to be comfortable. Number three is the desire to be in control. And number four is the desire to move forward fast. Okay, so let's start with the desire to be liked. And remember, as we walk through these, I want you to evaluate which one is the one that I'm most susceptible to. But then I also want you to think, which is the one that my team is most susceptible to? Because I have to give them proof beyond a reasonable doubt that that reason is not a good enough reason to engage in passive avoidance. So number one is the desire to be liked. We want to avoid conflict because we want to be liked. You know this to be true. You can either be liked or you can lead, but you can't have both. Now, of course, some people will like you. And if no one likes you as a leader, you're not a very good leader, right? But you cannot expect everyone to like you. And if you are focused more on what people are liking rather than yourself actually leading, we are in big trouble. So you just kind of need to recognize not everyone's going to like me. There should certainly be a standard of people respect you and treat you with respect because you treat people with respect, but not everyone's going to like you. And guess what? That's okay. Newsflash, you're not for everyone. And the only reason why I can say that is I'm not for everyone. I say some things on this podcast sometimes that people just flat out disagree with. And they message me and they say, I disagree with you. And I say, I'm thrilled for you. Go listen to a different podcast. Or sometimes, like sometimes I'm wrong and their disagreement is absolutely right. But the good thing is, is I don't need to be liked by them because so the desire to be liked can be one of the reasons why we avoid healthy conflict. Number two, the desire to be comfortable. Agreement is comfortable. You know this to be true. When we are acting in harmony, even if it's the facade of harmony, It feels comfortable. Now, sometimes we are sacrificing comfort over the long haul because we are prioritizing temporary comfort that is actually fake. And so we would rather pretend like everything's okay and not acknowledge a lot of the areas where we disagree or where they said something that I just completely don't line up with or where I can't believe they actually did that or said that. But we choose not to engage because we are prioritizing the comfort of the moment over the long-term sustainability of the team, of the relationship, of the business. The desire to be comfortable is one of the reasons why we avoid healthy conflict. Let's run into two more. One of the big reasons why leaders avoid healthy conflict, and this is one of the big ones that stood out in the workshop that so many people raised their hands as saying, yep, that's me, the desire to be in control. I want you to think about something. Say you're in a meeting maybe next week with multiple people on your team and there's a disagreement 
Do you have the ability as a leader to push your chair away from the table and say, well, let's talk about it and figure this out and not lead the conversation? To literally let the conflict play out and not be in complete control over the outcome. A lot of people don't have the ability to do that. And the reason why they don't have the ability to do that is because they're afraid of awkward. I want to be completely honest with you. And this is the message that I wish I would have heard about two years ago. There are times where leadership is awkward. And when we recognize that awkward isn't necessarily bad, it gives us the ability to move forward in freedom where we can just sit back and say, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I feel a little bit out of control, but I know that we need to have the disagreement and we're going to let it play out and then figure out how to move forward. You got to release your desire to be in control of every moment of the conversation and of the meeting. You cannot over-agendize a conflict. Is that a word, agendize? I don't know. But what I'm saying is you cannot apply over or too much structure to a conflict, you have to let it play out at its own pace. And then finally, the desire to move forward fast. This is an easy one. You can move forward faster. You can move forward together. And if you're plowing ahead because command and control leadership is really fast and efficient, but if you're plowing ahead and not allowing anyone to disagree with you or disagree with each other, then you are moving forward fast, sure. And people may go, uh, depending on the force of your personality, people may go along with you for a while, but it is not sustainable. And that will be reflected in the retention rate on your team because you know this to be true. People don't leave teams, they leave leaders. And so if you want to move forward fast, just expect that, man, not all these people are going to stay with us. You have to have the ability to have healthy conflict and healthy disagreement as you move forward so that you can move forward together. Okay, now let's move to the prerequisites. So we said that the four reasons why we avoid it, the desire to be liked, the desire to be comfortable, the desire to be in control, and the desire to move forward fast. So I want you to think about what is the primary reason I avoid it? And what can I do to work on that? And then what is the primary reason why my team avoids it? And how can I teach against that? Because if you are a leader, then you are a teacher. Okay, now let's move to the prerequisites to have a culture of healthy conflict. And, and culture is nothing more than the shared values and behaviors of a team. So when I say I, we want a culture of healthy conflict, that means that as a team, we want to be people who value and act in accordance with healthy conflict being a priority. So what needs to be in place for us to even begin as leaders to think about creating that culture? Number one, defined and communicated mission and values. Have you answered the question with absolute certainty? This is why we exist and this is what we stand for. And I'm not talking about having a mission statement that's in a binder somewhere. I'm talking about having a mission statement that your team literally drools over because they're so passionate about it. I'm talking about values that you live by, that you're willing to be punished for, that you are so deeply ingrained in that you can't picture your organization doing business any other way. 
Here's the deal. At Path for Growth, you know this. Our mission is to help impact-driven leaders step into who they're created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. Our whole team has that mission statement memorized. Some of our customers now have that mission statement memorized. And it's so valuable that that is common ground that we can all agree on. That is why we exist. And if you know anything about conflict, you know that the most valuable thing in conflict is to always have some source of common ground that you can always point back to. Well, if you have a clearly communicated mission statement that everyone has signed off on intellectually and with their actions, well, then you've got some common ground. The same thing is true for your values. And that's what I want you to focus on is do we have it communicated? Do we have it defined in such a way that people are outrageously passionate about it and they're willing to fight for it? Because whenever we agree on the mission and values, I don't have to fight against you. I'm fighting for something that I believe in. And that's what we're talking about here. And if I know that you're fighting for that as well, and the disagreement is just on the best way to fight for that, that's a beautiful thing. Defining communicating mission and values are essential. Number two is humility in the leader. Humility in leadership is not self-deprecation. It's also not a lack of awareness around your strengths or an unwillingness to own your experience or what you're actually good at. I think too often I run into people that they call it humility and what it really is is lacking a backbone. Here's the deal. You have probably been around your business and your organization and your team for a really long time. There are probably things as a leader that you are really good at. There are probably ideas that you have that are actually the best ideas. Not all of them, of course, because no one has a monopoly on good ideas, but some of your ideas are the best. And I get so freaking upset when I see leaders that have great ideas, that have strengths, and then have experience, but they cower and they lay down in passivity and they call it humility. That is not humility. I get a little bit passionate about this because this is keeping some of you from moving forward. Here's what humility is. Humility is to have an accurate view of oneself. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like, man, I founded this business or I've been the leader of this business for a while and I know a lot about this business. I know a lot about our team. I know a lot about our customers. Hopefully that's all true, right? And so some of my ideas are probably right and I'm willing to fight for them. But at the same time, I also know that I'm a fallible human being and I'm an imperfect leader. And so there is always a possibility that I could be wrong. I'm willing to fight for the fact that I think I'm right, but I am also willing to admit that there are areas that are blind spots or areas where I could be wrong. That's humility in the leader. It's an accurate view of oneself. It is not a posture of passivity. It's actually a posture of confidence. Confidence in the fact that I have strengths, but I also am filled with weaknesses and I live in acknowledgement of both. Be a leader that is humble in conflict. Then we also need humility in the team. And this goes the same way. If you've got team members on your team that have adopted a mindset or a habit or a pattern of self-deprecation and they are constantly putting themselves down, do one of the greatest things that you could possibly do for them as a leader and say, stop doing that. You're, you're not helping the team, but you're also not helping yourself. And that's not humility. Stop not acknowledging your strengths. 
Stop not acknowledging whenever your ideas are actually good. Stop being unwilling to fight for what you actually think is right because that is not humility. We have to create cultures of actual humility, which is to have an accurate view of oneself. We have to create cultures where people believe so much in the mission and values and they care so much about those things that they're willing to put their own ego on the line. That's what humility is. So we need to have defined and communicated mission and values. We need to have humility in the leader. We need to have humility in the team. Then we need to have deep-seated care for the mission and values. If people aren't hungry, if people aren't passionate, if people don't love the business that they work for, you won't have healthy conflict because it's not worth it to put your ego on the line to risk for something you don't actually care about. And so what you really need to do as a prerequisite is step back and say, do we have a team that's passionate, right? Do we have a team that has care for what we're doing? Do we have a team that loves the customer? Because people fight for what they love, right? And so you need to make sure that if you have wrong people on the bus, you're getting them off the bus. That is if you want a culture of healthy conflict. Now, care and passion are expressed in a variety of different ways. Some of the most passionate people I know are also some of the quietest people that I know. So don't confuse volume with passion. But what you are looking for is are people willing to fight for this thing? So we also need to clearly communicate a culture of recognition and positive affirmation. Don't create a culture of disagreement and healthy conflict until you've first created a culture of recognizing and affirming what's positive. So do you have that in your team? Because that's a prerequisite for everything that we're walking through today. Do you have a culture where people call out when they see something good? Now, there's a difference between recognition and affirmation. Recognition is saying something positive about what someone did. Affirmation is saying something positive about who someone is. And that's a good difference to know. And we want to have a culture where both are occurring so that we're not just creating a culture of what is, can be perceived as negative or uncomfortable. And then finally, we need to have the clearly communicated expectation of conflict. Here's the deal. Cultures of healthy conflict are not normal. We need to understand that. Probably 90% of places in America today, workplaces in America today, do not have cultures of healthy conflict, or it's probably more than that, which means that the people on your team have never been exposed to this before, and they think that what they have experienced before, which is passivity, which is backbiting, which is gossip behind people's back, which is leaving things in the dark, which is not actually voicing what you're thinking, they think that's right and good and normal. Well, here's the deal. Normal is what you've experienced. And just because it's normal doesn't mean it's functional. And you need to reset expectations in hiring and in onboarding and then ongoing throughout communication to your team that here's the deal. We are going to disagree. And the reason why we're going to disagree is because we are going to move forward. And when you move forward, it creates friction and friction is conflict. But if we don't disagree, then some of us aren't necessary, right? If we agree on everything, then why do we have all of us here? We don't need this many minds in the room. And so you need to tell them, you're a human being. I hired you as a human being. I want you to act like a human being. And the beautiful thing about human beings is that they have unique ideas, original thoughts, and sometimes those thoughts oppose each other. And that is okay. So we need to clearly communicate the expectation of conflict and just say, here's the deal. 
There will be times where I disagree with you and I will tell you. And if you still disagree with me, let's, let's duke it out. And there are going to be times where you disagree with me or you disagree with someone on the team. Do it in a way that's healthy. Do it in a way that's respectful. But don't you dare shove it under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist because that's not helpful. Okay, so now we're going to walk through four actions. We're going to go through these extremely high level. There's more detail in the actual PDF. You can download that in the show notes. So what we're going to walk through is establish what can and can't be disagreed upon, clarify principles for healthy and toxic conflict, resolve to be less agreeable and recognize that resolution in others, and then reaffirm the permanent common ground and relationship. So let's run through these real quick. Establish what can and can't be disagreed upon. Now, this is the first action that I want you to take. As a leader, it is so essential that you establish the grounds for, hey, there are things that we can absolutely disagree upon, and there are things that it's kind of like to be a part of this team, you should probably agree on these things. So what needs to be agreed upon to be a part of your team? Well, once it's established, and that's the key phrase here, once it's established and set in stone, We need to be able to agree upon why do we exist, what do we stand for, and where are we going? Now, again, I'm going to emphasize once it's established. If you haven't clearly established and communicated these things, then you can't expect agreement on them. But once those things are established in the form of mission, values, and vision, it's kind of like, man, we've got to agree on these things. Think about the country that we live in for a second. I mean, part of why this country has lasted for the past 200 years is because we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. By and large, the majority of people agree on that, right? That that is a truth that is self-evident. Now, there are some wackadoodles out there that would disagree with that. And those are people that we probably don't want in our country. There's also people that disagree on how that should be played out. And if it is being played out or not. And those are all disagreements that I think we should absolutely be having. That's healthy disagreement. We can't disagree on the fact that we think all people are created equal. And I'm not going to disagree with that. Like, if you tell me that, I'm going to tell you I'm not really willing to have this conversation. Because that's one of those values that kind of has to be agreed upon. And unless we can agree on that common ground, I can't move forward and have a constructive conversation with you. There are things within your team that have to be agreed upon. And those are your core values. It's your mission and it's where you're going as a business, your vision. I would also add to that list that if there are commitments that team members have discussed, well, that probably needs to be agreed upon. And once it's agreed upon, we're not really going to have a discussion about whether or not it's noble or right or true because we agreed to this. Now, I will tell you, and this is the caveat that I want to put on this, Teams become paranoid and unhealthy when there is an expectation of agreement on things that haven't been discussed or communicated. So don't just walk around as a leader and just say, well, I'm just going to expect that they agree to all these core values because they're on the wall. That doesn't cut it, right? And you're going to create a team that's really afraid because it's like you're expecting them to operate in accordance with things that you haven't clearly articulated, communicated, or set expectations for. So we need to make sure that we're setting proper expectations. Now, here's the deal. We establish what needs to be agreed upon so that everyone knows everything else is up for grabs. We can literally disagree on 
everything else. So we can disagree on the strategy of how the vision is achieved. We can disagree on the way a value should be or is being expressed. We can disagree on tactics associated with a system or process. We can disagree on differences associated with personality, differences associated with strengths, difference associated with people's wiring, differences associated with people's perspective in the organization, differences associated with people's backgrounds. We can disagree on all of that. We can disagree on values that are not core values. We can disagree on all that. The beautiful thing about business is we don't have to agree on everything to work together. We don't even have to agree on everything to be friends, but people need to know and people need to understand here's what can't be disagreed upon and here's what can. Because otherwise, they're going to be walking around wondering, and it would be easier and more comfortable to just not disagree at all because they don't want to get dinged. So the challenge I would give to you out of this action, and this is in the PDF, answer the questions, why does your business exist? What does your business stand for? Where is your business going? And do it by memory. And if you aren't able to do that by memory, that has got to be your priority as a leader. It has to be. And I'm trying to save you time. I'm trying to save you energy and I'm trying to save you heartache. So you can obviously do that on your own. There's a bunch of incredible resources out there to do that. If you want to work with our team in an intensive, we'll put the link in the chat and we can schedule a call to talk about laying out the mission, vision, and values for your business because that is just so important. Okay, number two. Clarify principles for healthy conflict versus toxic conflict. Now, the whole table is in the PDF, but this is really rooted in the idea that growth and impact are not created by the absence of conflict. They're created by the presence of healthy conflict. And that's what you need to tell your team. And then I would recommend showing them the table that we're giving you in the PDF because it really distinguishes the difference between the two. I'm going to clarify three differences. You can see the whole table if you want to. I think there's like seven or eight differences on the table. Number one. One, healthy conflict focuses on the problem. Toxic conflict focuses on the person. When you make it an identity issue, that's when it becomes toxic. When we put the problem on the table and talk about the problem that's on the table, that's healthy. Healthy conflict makes it right for others. Toxic conflict wants to be right. Now, this is really important to distinguish and it's really important to understand. Toxic conflict is selfish in nature. You are just focused on regardless of the ramifications it has for the team, for the customer, for the mission, vision, and values. You're just saying, I'm going to die on this hill because I want to be right. You are more focused on guarding your ego than serving the team. And you know this is you if you walk into meetings thinking, I need to win the meeting, right? Or I need to win this battle. This isn't a win or loss thing. We're trying to do what's best right? And, and the win is getting not your idea. The win is getting the best idea. And a lot of times that's not your idea. Shocker. Okay. So do you want to make it right? Or do you want to be right? It's not just enough to say, I want to make it right. Because I think sometimes people take that as, oh, well, just agree, right? Just tell someone they're right. Just agree with them. Just go along for the ride. No, no, that is awful. Why would you go along with something that doesn't serve the mission you're passionate about or serve the customers you deeply care about? Why would you do that? That is not leadership. So what is the proper lens to look through? Well, I want to make it right for others. I want to make it right for the people we exist to serve. And by the way, one of those people is the person sitting across the table from you. So we want to make it right for others. We want to make it right for the customer. We want to make it right for the team. We want the best idea to win, not my idea to win. 
Let's focus on one more. And then, like I said, all the other differences are in the PDF. Healthy conflict is willing to disagree and commit anyway. Toxic conflict will passively or actively undercut an opposing decision. So once we fight it out, once we disagree, once we kind of exchange ideas and compare and contrast, and we can get a little bit heated. That's totally okay, right? I I personally have nothing wrong with raised voices even. I, like, I think it's a blast, right? Now, whether you do or not, that's up to you, but I just think it's a sign that people really care about things. But we've got to be willing to disagree and commit anyway once a decision is made. So... You need to know that everyone on your team, because we agree on the mission, vision, and values, because we care for each other, because we want to serve the customer instead of confuse the customer, when we make a decision, we've made a decision and we need to commit. What does that not look like? Well, that doesn't look like saying, well, that's not my idea, so I'm not going to support it. Shut up. Oh my gosh. Toxicity. That is a snake. If you are doing that, stop or, oh man, I I just can't go along with this. So I'm not going to support it. Or, I mean, I'll pretend to agree with it. I'm just not going to give my best to it. Or the minute something goes wrong saying, I told you so, that is not helpful. So don't do that. And don't allow that to exist on your team. We've got to be willing to disagree and commit anyway. But this is why the healthy conflict has to occur. You have to give people the opportunity to fight it out, right? People want to have their say. That doesn't mean they need to have their way. Really, really, really important. Okay, let's move to number three. Resolve to be less agreeable and recognize this resolution in others. My bet, because you are an impact-driven leader, is that you err on the side of being too agreeable. Now, not all of you. There's some of you that should probably mute the podcast right now because there's some of you that should actually probably be way more agreeable because you literally disagree with everyone and you're just a challenger by nature. And if that's you, probably don't listen to this part. And you should probably send this part to all the people on your team that have a propensity for being steamrolled by you, okay? But there's a lot of you And you're the people that want to be liked more than you want to lead sometimes that need to focus on the fact that you are too agreeable. And if that is the case, you need to recognize that if you're going to be an impact-driven leader, an impact-driven leader is someone who stands for what they think is right, but is also willing to be wrong. And the part I want you to underline on the PDF is you've got to be someone who stands for what you think is right. Stand for it. Be willing to put a stake in the ground. And if you think it's right, don't roll over just so people will agree and there will be fake harmony. It's a facade and it's actually hurting your team more than it's serving your team. So be willing to stick your neck out a little bit and say, I'm okay for temporarily us not agreeing on this. And it's fine. We can still be friends and I don't have to agree with you. Here's why this is so important because passivity or silence in the face of something you don't actually agree with, what is it? It's cowardice. It's you being a coward because you're not willing to speak up in service of others. So what should be the standard of agreement? Because if we're not careful, we'll just disagree on everything, right? What should be the standard of agreement? What should be the times when it's like, okay, well, I may not fully agree with this, but I don't think it's my battle to fight because that's what I sometimes think about. Here's what I want you to do. You need to think about this phrase. And if you can apply this phrase to yourself, 
then I'm cool with you moving on an agreement. You need to be able to say, I can move forward passionately supporting this decision as though it were my own. If you can't do that, if you can't say, I can move forward passionately supporting this decision as though it were my own, you have an obligation and a responsibility to say something. And you need to tell your team this too. You need to tell them, if you can't say at the end of this meeting, I can move forward passionately supporting this decision as though it were my own. If you can't say that, I need you to speak up. We need you to speak up. Our customers need you to speak up. And if being liked or being comfortable or being in control is getting in the way of that, toxic. It's not helpful. We need to move forward and moving forward causes friction. Okay. So what are some actions you can do to create this attitude on your team where people are willing to stick their neck out? I've got a bunch of actions on the PDF. I'll give you a few. Ask the quiet person to speak. It's crazy. Sometimes we'll do this in growth groups or on office hours in the membership and we'll call on someone because they've been quiet for a while. And almost always that person's been processing. That person's been thinking. That person's been mulling on some thoughts or ideas that they have. And almost always those thoughts, ideas, or things that they've been thinking about, they're a little bit afraid to say them, but when they come out, they are contrary to the idea that is currently being discussed. Call on the quiet person. You could also ask the group, why would this thing that we're talking about, this project, this goal, this vision, this endeavor, this hire, why would it be a bad idea? Because what you do is you open the door for the person that's been sitting on their bad idea to speak up because now you've asked for it. So ask at the end of the meeting or during the meeting, why would this be a bad idea? I'm going to give you one more and then the others are on the PDF point out disagreement on the team. Ooh, this is good. Now, if you think awkward is bad, then you won't be able to do this. Awkward isn't bad. Awkward is okay. Awkward is part of leadership and things can be awkward and that's all right. And so as a result, what you need to look for in meetings, and when you start to look for this, you'll see it, people talking past each other and just essentially going on a monologue addressing the room about the way they disagree with something someone said. And instead of speaking in specifics, they speak in generalities, and they're both talking about their own view while failing to acknowledge, although they know it in their head, but they fail to acknowledge it vocally, that they completely and directly oppose each other. And what you need to do in that situation, let's just say it's Sarah and Joe. What you need to do in that situation with Sarah and Joe is say, Sarah and Joe, it seems like y'all disagree with each other and then push away from the table and just be quiet. And man, it's like a cage match and just let them disagree and you get to play referee and you're going to encourage everyone else in the room to play referee and you're going to bring in other people's thoughts and stuff, but you're going to let it play out. And then what you're going to show them is this is good. This is okay. This is actually not toxic. This is incredibly healthy. Now, the minute Sarah starts talking bad about Joe's character, then it becomes unhealthy. And we say, Sarah, calm down. Let's talk about the problem, not about the person. But we need to be able to disagree in a healthy manner. I can't tell you how valuable that will be for your team if you have the guts to do that. So those are some actions you can take. And remember, what we're trying to do there is we're going to resolve to be less agreeable and we're going to recognize that resolution in others. Okay, the final action as we close this out, and we're going to just run through this real quick. We're going to reaffirm the permanent common ground and we're also going to reaffirm the relationship. 
So as a leader, if you get to the end of a meeting that just got heated, it got a little bit intense and it was like, wow, man, what happened there? We we were a little bit at each other's throats a little bit. And hopefully it was about the problem, not about the person, right? You need to remind people what healthy is, but what do you need to do? Well, you need to say, hey, I, I love that we have heated discussions sometimes because heated discussions are evidence that we don't have apathetic team members. They are evidence that we have passionate team members. And let's real quick, before we go today, let's remember what we're passionate about. We're passionate about why we exist and then say your mission. We're passionate about what we stand for, then say your values. We're passionate about where we are going, then cast a vision for the future, right? Reaffirm what everyone agrees upon. And then the other thing I would also tell you to do is reaffirm the relationship. We said at the beginning, this is not normal, right? People are not used to this. And so you need to take extra intentional actions as a leader to make sure people after a heated meeting know it's okay. We can disagree and we can be friends. In fact, the greatest friends disagree. So what I want you to do is I want you to thank team members individually I want you to maybe use some humor to de-escalate things sometimes. I want you to have one-on-one conversations with individuals after the conflict that is about something totally different. Maybe it's about the football game that's coming up on Saturday. Maybe it's about the weather. Maybe it's about your kids. Maybe it's about what you ate for dinner last night. Talk about something that isn't about work at all. And then finally, find a time to eat together. If you really got in a heated disagreement with someone, find a time to break bread and just not talk about work. And you will reaffirm the relationship and you can even have the opportunity to say, man, I just appreciate your passion. I appreciate the fact that although we disagree on this, I I respect you as a person that has the guts to stand for something, right? I, I can't tell you, like there, there are people on our team that sometimes on, like, I just think are wrong, right? And they think I'm wrong and we will duke it out sometimes. And my respect, but also trust for that person exponentially increases because what I know is there's someone that cares enough to talk about it. And sometimes we get to the end of those and I'm wrong. And sometimes we get to the end of those and I was right. And both are good and healthy and okay. So what I want you to focus on doing is number one, think about why you avoid this. Number two, Make sure that you have the prerequisites that are listed on the PDF and that we walked through. And then number three, walk through these actions. Establish what can and can't be disagreed upon. Clarify principles for healthy versus toxic conflict. Resolve to be less agreeable and reaffirm the permanent common ground and the relationship. I hope this was valuable today. Again, all of this information is laid out in the PDF. We're going to put the link to that in the show notes. Also, I want to let you know that every Wednesday we send out Worth It Wednesday. It's because most emails aren't worth it. I hate email, right? It's not worth the time. It's not worth the energy. So we wanted to create one that is. So every Wednesday, someone from our team sends a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and then a recommendation worth taking. We just have a blast writing these, and we're so grateful for all of the feedback y'all have given us. And for all of you that have signed up, we enjoy having you as part of the community. Y'all, I'm so grateful for you. Know that we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.